Hello everyone, this is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. So today, I'm talking with my good buddy Jason Randolph, known as JJ. So JJ and I started guiding together in 1997, guiding 1,000-piece ranch based out of Park City, Utah. Also with a buddy of ours, Wiss, who told us to not talk about him today, but we're probably now going to have to talk about him today. Probably. It's just, it's only fair. Had he not said anything, we probably would have forgotten he existed. But now, we're going to have to tell Wiss stories. Yeah. Travis, 1997. Good Lord. What is this? 2020? (laughs) Yeah, it's been 23 years. years? Good gracious, that's a long time. That makes you pretty old. I'm getting so gray now, JJ. You are, actually. Uh, every I, I'll walk by the mirror sometimes and be like, who's that? Oh, that's me. Yeah. Oh, that's me, actually. Yeah. You know, you look a lot like your dad. I sound like him, too. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'll, if When I was at his house, if I answered the phone, they would just start talking to me. Oh, hey, Larry, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you don't want to tell me any of this stuff. Let me get my <laughs> let me get my dad for you. My brother's the same way. He's got the same exact thing. Jared was actually fishing today in my backyard, sent me a picture saying, hey, there's a hatch going on, and showing me pictures of fish. So he's getting better at fly fishing, too. Good. Good for him. Well, I'll give him a break <laughs> from arresting people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually not a cop anymore. Oh. Yeah, he left the police force and went to work for the state of Utah Department of Agriculture. Good. Good. So, Good for yeah, him. He likes it. It's a nine to five type of job, which he's never had. Cool. Didn't know that such a job existed. Thinks it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And he's excited about it. He really likes it. Yeah. So some of my favorite stories with you. Well, they involve both of us being pretty stupid sometimes. <laughs> But how many times do you think you took either two left feet or two right feet boots for your clients? Okay, quite a few times. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, those things happen. People should bring their own waders. I don't know what to say. (laughs) I also had several, there were a couple times where I showed up an hour away from the shop at the creek or wherever we were fishing and actually... Didn't have, maybe had the waders, but not the boots, or had the boots, but not the waders, or vice versa. And, uh, you know, we had to make do with what we had there. I think I guided in flip flops, you know, in uh, wade fishing right up the mountain stream several different times, possibly even bare feet. I don't know, but I've, I've done it before. Oh, yeah, I've guided in flip flops, I've guided in just the stocking feet of the waders when it was too cold the one time just to wear flip-flops. Because, mm-hmm. of course, now I'm not going to say that people lie when they send us their information on their size, mm-hmm. like their weight and their height, because we pick out gear for people right. based off of those things. Mm-hmm. And just because you put 120 pounds on your driver's license. That's right. Doesn't mean it's okay <laughs> to do that when we're going to bring stuff to you. Yeah, yeah. Man. Do you remember that time we broke down coming back from Robbins Ranch? I do remember. And we had to stop at Falcon's Ledge. I do remember that. And the car broke down 
and we had a car load of fishermen, and I, there I, there may have been some alcohol involved. There was a in lot that. of not, alcohol. Obviously not you and I. <laughs> no. But there were other people there who had some alcohol, which probably was a good thing because we were not stranded there for 20 minutes while we were waiting for our buddy to come pick us up. We were there for hours. Five hours? Yeah. Six hours? Well, it took it took almost an hour to hike from where we were to the only place that had a phone because there's no cell reception. <laughs> that's right. And then, yeah, don't break down oh. in the middle of nowhere. But if you do break down in the middle of nowhere, and people have alcohol, and you're close to a fish pond, and you can catch grasshoppers, <laughs> that's right. And you remember doing that? We were yeah. running around catching all those hoppers, and then we were like, "Watch this!" And we throw them into the pond, and then we would sit there and wait for the fish to come up. And what great entertainment it was! That the was crowd fantastic. Would go crazy when we did that. I remember it was everybody sitting around going, "Watch him, watch him!" And then the fish would eat him, and everybody, oh! And we'd have to go find another one. Those pretty. Oh, fun. those were good times. Those were good times. We had a lot of good times. You and I were very blessed, very fortunate to have fished a lot of Utah before it became popular. Oh yeah, and like. Park City now has grown in leaps and bounds compared to when I first started guiding back there. It was like there were like two guides, you know, in Park City. And all of the stuff that you and I fished out there, we had to ourselves. And that was fantastic. And it was fun. And you still go out there and have fun and catch good fish. But, boy, those days of having it all to ourselves are over, I think so i mean there's places that we would go that if we saw another truck there we were super bummed yeah and now if there's only four or five trucks there you're like oh sweet you got oh great i go fishing here yeah (laughs) before you would turn around and go to another spot oh man but you know nothing stays the same and there's still good places out there and there's still probably good places to be found when you get out and look for them for sure you know Corona. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you're in my house. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to Nancy. I'm like, oh, we should go out and fish this spot. I've never taken you there yet. We've been married for five years. Mm-hmm. There are so many places I haven't taken her yet. Yeah. Just don't have time. Yeah. Time and money is the, that's the, that's the thing in this day and age, but hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully someday, you know. When both of them catch up. Uh, my wife likes to fish. Also, I haven't been able to. We were trying to this whole last month get over to the Green River and just for nostalgia's sake and get a float over there. Which can I tell a whist story now yes. that we're talking about the Green River? You should definitely do that. And now that we're talking about our good buddy Wiss, Chris Wisner. God bless him. Lots of good whist stories, but I'm going to tell you one right now. And Wiss and I guided this family, and Travis did too, for several years that was from Maine. Remember this story I'm getting to, Travis? Okay. (laughs) And these people were from Maine, and they came several years, and it was one guy in particular and his girlfriend or fiance, they did end up getting married. And then he would bring his friends, and it was a bunch of couples and a bunch of buddies, and there'd be eight of them, and it was a great 
and they came for years and years. And we got to be real good friends and had a real good time with them. And one of them in particular, his name was Jeff, had this L.L. Bean rod that was, to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to hack on L.L. Bean rods because there are some very good ones. But this rod in particular was a light four weight and it was a buggy whip. It was a noodle. Remember that rod, yep. Travis? It was a noodle. It was terrible. And at the end of the trip, Jeff, who was such a good fisherman, after he would leave, us guides would always talk about, man, if Jeff would ever get rid of that rod and get a decent rod, what a fisherman <laughs> he would be. Because it really was not a very good rod. No. Although L.L. Bean does make yeah, well, very good they rods. They make great rods. But not that, that one. one. was not good. And so we do a trip on the Green River. Have all these people with us, got some guides. We do an overnight trip. We float down the first day. We set up camp. Boy, everybody gets drinking around the fire. and We're just having a great time. And somewhere in the conversation, Jeff's fishing skills come up. And our good friend Wiss blurts out, Well, let me tell you something, Jeff. If you'd ever get rid of that piece of crap L.L. Bean rod that you carry around, maybe you could be a decent fisherman, but that L.L. Bean rod is a piece of junk. (laughs) Okay, so things kind of went quiet around the campfire for a little bit, but after a while, things settled down, got back to everybody having fun. Well, the next morning, I get up, and Jeff's friend Vinny comes walking over to me and says, By the way, you guys must not know this. But Jeff's family owns L.L. Bean. (laughs) So you might not want to hack on their rods too much while Jeff is around. So way to go, Wiss, for putting your foot in your mouth on that one. Oh, that was funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, They were good clients, too. That was fun hanging out with those guys. That was a great trip. That was a great time with those guys. And... And all of the clients over the years that we've gotten to fish with, the Liebers, you know, oh, yeah. who are still, I just talked to Danielle yesterday, and uh, I mean, I've been guiding those little kids since they were little kids, they're now old. Yeah. They're almost 30. Mar- no, married. Scott's over 30. Yep. He was eight years old the first time I took him fishing and afraid of bees. And he has kids now, <laughs> afraid of bees. <laughs> but now he's got kids and he's grown up and and uh it's interesting to see these people come along i did a father and son guided trip today the kid was uh eight years old and he caught several trout and had a good time and i could tell they had you know good special moment hope to see them again but it's uh great to interact with all these people and make friends i got so many friends from this business over the years you know and for life for life. Well, not only people I've guided with, but customers who started out as customers are now good friends, other guides, other people in the business, all over. It's been good. Well, I remember, what was it, three years ago that I came out and saw you? And your son Braden's like, so who's this? He's like, oh, that's my buddy Travis. We used to fish together. Well, I don't think I've ever met him. He must not be a very good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, no. In this industry... We could not talk to each other for five or six or seven years, and we're just like brothers when we run into each other again. Very true. Very true. That's what makes that's what makes being a guide a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, like the Venture family. Yeah. I was able to put Hannah on her very first fish. Yeah. And then she gave me a little note. She was eight years old, too. Yeah. 
And she gave me a note the next day that was at the shop that was, thank you for helping me catch my first fish. Yep. I, I still have that. Yep. Those things mean the most to me. Yeah. It's they, a lot of fun. They do. Yep. Vinch, Brian's not coming this year because of the COVID. Because uh, his girls, uh, Emma has asthma problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Just not worth the risk. We'll get back. To not that. worth the risk, but he'll get back to normal soon. And we'll all have a great time. Yeah. Fishing's starting to get better and better all the time right now, too. So, what is the worst trip you've ever had? Like the, you don't have to say who the client was. Well, I, I'm, I am pretty good at getting along with about anybody, no matter what background or whatever they come from. It's one of my reasons I'm a pretty good guide and it's a gift and you have it too, of just being able to get along with people. And so you can start out the day by reading those people and figuring out, okay, this is what they want out of their day. And this is how some people don't want a lot of instruction. Some people do want a lot of instruction. And you got to kind of figure out who is who and that and that kind of stuff. But I would, I got to say, before I talk about any bad trips, that 98% of trips throughout a season are great. There's a couple that may not be so great, and you can remember those, you know. Um, but, and I'm year-round. I do waterfowl hunters all winter long, so I've got, oh, you know, a lot of bad trips from there. too. Not a lot, but, you know. Yeah, but those are you, the ones that stand out because mm-hmm. there's so many good trips, and they all kind of blend together. Yeah, and I tend to remember the good trips a little bit more than the bad trips, I I kind of forget those. Most of the time, to be honest with you, my bad trips have associated with people that had very unrealistically high expectations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, or didn't understand um, or whatever. But uh, but over the years, most of the trips have been good. Um, you know, I, I can't. A bad one's not coming to mind right now. I could think of a lot of things where, you know, interesting between, you know, people who live in big cities and us who <laughs> live out here, you know, and I've had people with the, well, you got bears out here? And, well, yeah, we got bears. You got mountain lions? Oh, we got mountain lions. You know, I go, oh, we even got wolves. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And I go, well, you know, I think you got more of a chance of catching a stray bullet walking in downtown Baltimore than you do on getting attacked <laughs> by a bear out here. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. so um, <laughs> a lot of ways to look at it. But uh, no, most of my people are are uh, are good. And to be honest with you right now, I'll rack my brain to think of one of my bad trips, but um, it's not coming to mind right now. Well, I think most of my worst trips have been kind of the same thing. People that the expectation was so high, it was unrealistic. Right. And as good a guides as we are and the guides that we know and we work with, you can't string 365 good days together in a row. It just doesn't happen. It is impossible. Fishing and hunting change too often, too rapidly. And to be quite honest with you, 
I don't care who you are, how long you've been doing this, you can't predict it. One day can be good and the next day can be bad and there's no difference between the two. And on a daily basis with my customers, at the end of the day, they go, great, we're going to come back next year. When's the best time to come? <laughs> I, I don't know that right now. Yep. So I always have to say, just pick a day and come and we'll see how it goes, you know, because, sure. you know, with duck hunting, you know, everybody says, oh. You know, you can't hunt them, can't get them on a bluebird day. Well, I've had many bluebird days. We've shot limits of mallards. I've even had days where everybody says, oh, in a snowstorm, you always get them. Oh, I've had plenty of snowstorms. I didn't get any ducks either. Same thing with fishing. People, oh, rainy day, the hatch is going to come off. I've had plenty of crappy days fishing in the rain. <laughs> and I've had plenty of awesome days fishing in the rain. Yeah. So the moral of the story is I think you just got to go every opportunity that you get and if you spend enough days out there, you're going to get those epic days yeah. at some point in time. For sure. You know, you're also going to get a whole bunch of crappy ones. Yeah. <laughs> but And you only remember the best and the worst. So you're going to remember the really good ones, and you're going to remember the yeah. really bad ones. It just is what it is. Although Jason and I are having a hard time remembering the bad ones right now. Yeah. But that's, that's all right. Well, I think part of it is because, like I, like I say, I, I forget those, you know. Yeah. I had, uh, you know, one bad trip. I had, and was it bad for those people? No. Was it bad for me? Yeah. And my classification on people are there's good people and there are assholes. Yeah. And it whether you have money or don't have money or you're famous or don't have, fa or you're not famous or whatever, none of those things should have either to do with either one. Okay. You're just a good person or you're an asshole. Because I have billionaire customers with a B who are some of the finest people and nicest, most generous, wonderful, loving people I've ever met. And the opposite, you know, and then people who are also very wealthy who are a-holes. And, and, and it goes the same way with people who don't have as much money. So money, and those famous, none of those things have anything to do with anything. But I did have a trip here. A few years back where um, it was an elderly couple and they were very high maintenance, I will say. I helped them in and out of the boat all day, took their weeds off of the flies for them, took everything possible. And you could tell they wanted it that way, that they were, you know, yeah. wanted to be catered to. And throughout the day, she mentioned to me that she they had been on every cruise in the world. Not in North America, in the world. She's been on every cruise. They had one cruise that they were going to do. She's done it before, but was going to do it again because it was a jewelry buying cruise. <laughs> and the storage facility where she kept all her art was full. So she just could go buy jewelry now because the storage facility for art was full. <laughs> So we have that problem often. Yeah, I've all the time. My problem is my decoy storage facility is full. And my, but other than that. Yeah. But anyway, and then, and to be quite honest with you, they really weren't that friendly. And then at the end of the day, gave me a $40 tip. Oh. Now, I don't mind a $40 tip if you're really nice people and you work hard for your money and all that kind of stuff. And that's what you can afford. I, I am grateful to get that. $40 tip and thank you very much. I appreciate it. But when you talk about your storage facility of your art being full and you're going on a jewelry cruise and you've been on every cruise <laughs> in the world and it's apparent that you don't work and then you leave me a $40 tip when I think I did a really good job 
I went immediately into the shop and said, if those people ever call again and request me, you tell them I'm full. Yeah. You can send them down to the next guide. And it had nothing to do with the actual amount of money. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? It's the combination of the two things. It was the combination of the, I didn't want to hear about how much money you had all day and you treated me like your, you know, servant all day. And then at the end of the day, you really didn't even pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a bad trip. Because a lot of times, $40 doesn't even cover how many flies we lose. That didn't cover how many flies we use, how much gas we use, all of the above. Tippets, indicators, wait, I don't even want to get started. That, yeah. That didn't cover any of that. It's like I had a guy tip me once with binoculars. It's like, well, these are awesome and all, but they're really, really hard to pour into your gas tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, tips, whatever. That It shouldn't be about that. That's not really what we work for, you know. But, no, it's just um, a nice after. It is a nice after, you know. But, uh, but no, most, most of my trips are good. And uh, like I said, I do do duck and goose hunting all winter long as well. And uh, that has taken me places all over the country. That I, uh, And fishing both. You know, I've gotten to go to the Bahamas. I've gotten to go to... Uh, British the Bulkley to British Columbia. I've gotten to go uh, Mexico, gotten to go all over Louisiana, all over these places fishing that I I got there because of my job. You know, however I got there, whether a client invited me along. Oh, I went to the Northwest Territories lake trout fishing oh, last sweet. year too. Yeah, whether a customer took me with them or it was related to my job or whatever that that's why I got to go to those places. Well, it's always good knowing friends. I mean, you're the one that really got me into hunting over decoys. Because when I first started duck hunting, I didn't have a dog. I just jump shot ducks. And they were okay to eat, but it was just like, eh. It wasn't my, my stick. And then JJ's like, well, have you hunted them over decoys? Well, you got to do that. So thousands and thousands of dollars later, dogs, guns, decoys, to the point that I even bought woodworking stuff because I started carving my own decoys. Yeah, those were cool. I can attest that hunting over decoys and watching dogs work is spectacular. There's nothing quite like watching a good dog. Yeah. I mean, when we were talking about picking good days, picking bad days, when I first talked to you about coming out and snow goose hunting, I said, all I want to do is kill a blue, a snow, and a Rosses. You're like, well, you probably better come for at least three days because maybe one of those will be really good. Because it didn't make sense at the time, but after the fact, now it makes a ton of sense. But the very first day, I smash a little Rosses right before dark. That little flock of Rosses came in and I hit one and it sails out into the middle of the church pond and Jason sent one dog one way and another dog another way and hand signaled them into the pond and by pond how many acres is that 10 20 oh no that one's like 60 acre so 60 acre pond it's big and his dog Brooks who I named my dog Brooks after comes in and or they corner the snow goose in the middle of the pond because it's a cripple and between the two dogs we're able to make the retrieve 
that was the moment in my life that I was like, I need that caliber of dog. So as we're getting closer and closer to duck hunting, almost every day after fly fishing, we would go grab the the bumpers, grab the pups, go out to the fields, and we'd throw bumpers for the dogs. And it just became this pattern. We would do it every day. We'd go home, tie flies, go fish, go back home, drop off all the waders, grab the dogs, grab the bumpers, go to the pond, throw bumpers. And then just before it got dark, sometimes we'd go throw streamers and smash a couple fish of our own for the day. Those were good times. We had a lot of fun. Those were good times. We had a lot of fun and uh, you got to work with those dogs and we did and they're good dogs because of it and dog training is not, doesn't have to be a full-time job. You just have to do a little bit every day or four days a week or five days a week that you got to do something and keep taking them to the next level. But when you start duck hunting and then, and you duck hunt uh, with a good dog and you see a good 300 yard blind retrieve with a couple hand signals and you see the dog and the and the handler work together it's pretty cool it goes right along with calling the ducks and seeing the ducks come in and finish just right so you get a perfect shot and we're not wounded birds we're not you know we're getting good shots and then to see good retrieves it's all part of the whole package well that wraps up part one with jj Part two goes a lot into duck hunting stories and some really good times we had together. I've put a couple links in the show notes for the outfitter that Jason guides for during the fly fishing season and Jason's outfitter for duck hunting, Wyobrasco Waterfowl. So if you get some time, try and get a trip booked with JJ. It'll be a great day, even if the fish and birds don't cooperate. You'll enjoy your time fishing and hunting with Jason Randolph. So get out there and live your stories.